Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Pocket Rocket podcast in the series Figure of Eight. I am here with Erin Thompson, who is uh, just come off the back of a very, well, interesting prep going through the pandemic and traveling all over the place and she just came off stage a few weeks ago so hi Erin. Thank you so so much for having me. Thank you for joining me it's been a bit of a nightmare getting this planned in but I was sticking with my guns I was like no I want to talk to her on here. <laughs> I know it's it's your lunch break just now isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Apologies that's my fault. <laughs> no 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 I mean probably picked the worst time to ask to talk to you when you're like just post-show living your best life (laughs) I know it's been weird transitioning back to being in the UK back in a normal time zone as well because I'm an online coach in in the Bahamas and in America I was like seven hours in front so I was having to get up in the middle of the night because I had girls on peak week every single week that I was over there. So I was getting up at like two o'clock in the morning to respond to their check-in. So it's actually been so nice to actually sleep through the whole night, <laughs> through the whole night again. <laughs> You're getting up at like six or seven and claiming it's a lion. <laughs> yeah, it's been amazing. Like my aura ring has absolutely loved me since I've came back. <laughs> So before we get into kind of the topic of figure of eight, like tell us about this last show that you did and and your experiences with it and yeah, just your thoughts and feelings off the back of that show. This has honestly been the best prep yet. Like if, if anybody's not done an international show, like I would highly recommend doing it. And I think even just going over to the Bahamas, I was there by myself. Like I was terrified before I left. Like <laughs> I've heard so much stories that the Bahamas is actually really dangerous. So I was terrified. Like I was putting, <laughs> I was putting like the sofa and everything in front of the door <laughs> when I was going to sleep. But yeah, just being over there, being in a hot country, seeing a different place. And like when you're in prep, you're, a robot anyway but mm. just actually going out on different walks and seeing like the countries that I was in it was incredible and I was so happy with the package that I did bring to my pro debut however we did end up actually completely messing up the peak and yeah because the way that the the show actually ran pre-judging was on the Prejudging was on the Friday evening at six o'clock at night. And then finals was on the Saturday at 10. And I've never done a back-to-back show before. Mm. So the fact that I woke up and we messed up the peak, by the time six o'clock came round in the evening, my body had actually came back to life once we reintroduced sodium and everything again. And that first show was a huge learning experience for me. And Mm. I think that's the good thing about this sport. Like, you've got to find the method that works best for you. And no matter if you have got the best coach in the world, like things can happen and it can essentially go wrong. Um, So I was really, really glad that show was at six o'clock in the evening. And then finals, we came for a different approach and I came in so, so much better for, for finals, which was good. And then... I came top 12 in that show, which was amazing. I was honestly over the moon. Like the girls were huge. Like it was a real eye opener. It was exactly what I needed because I think 
a lot of people on social media, they're like, they, they message you and they're like, you've got this. I'm like, you have no idea what this is actually going to be like. But it was a real eye opener for me because I'm still very young as a, like a pro figure athlete. And um, as I was saying to you before we pressed the cord, like the girl that came third was like 35 pounds heavier than me, which is absolutely absurd sort of like lean tissue <laughs> so yeah it's just been a real eye-opener and then the Orlando show there was 10 Olympians in that lineup Rhea Gale being one of them and she she did absolutely incredible and it was amazing to share the share the day with Bob's and with Rhea as well it was Orlando has definitely been my favorite show of all time because of that we went to the Outback Steakhouse after and it was just it was just Oh, I just loved being over there so much. But yeah, um, I'm in this sport for the long run. I was going to do another show two weeks after, but mentally I was like, I, I need to get, get to work, like doing another show when I'm not making the top 10 is, is pointless. Like yeah. I'm not in this for the stage. I'm in this because I love the process. Yeah, yeah. I think and that's I think a really a lot... important point as well. Like don't Definitely. just do the show for the sake of doing it. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people don't like the the post show where you've got to gain weight and you've got to get your health back up to an optimal place that they think just going into another prep after other, another prep is, is the best way. But from a health perspective, it just fucks you up big time. And sorry for my French. I'm not sure we're on this podcast. It's all right. You crack on. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think my my mindset is completely different to when I first started in the industry and my, the first time that I did go into an improvement season and, and just realizing that it's a time game and you've got mm. to be in it for the long run mm. especially with the category that you're in you can't rush it and and if you do rush it then it's going to show in your physique because you need that muscle maturity um, like you say, the women being on stage and being 35 pounds or more heavier than you, you, you can't rush that. You literally can't. And I don't feel comfortable pushing drugs either. Like there, there's a limit and a capacity that I'll essentially go to because keeping my femininity is the most important thing to me. And I don't f feel comfortable going to some of the extremities that some people do go to to gain a lot of muscle very, very quickly. So I'm just being patient mm -hmm. and just taking my time with it. Like my time will come, my time will come that I'll be in that top 10, whether it's in the next three years or in the next 10 years. Yeah. I I I'm patient with this. And as you said before we started recording, you're young. You've yeah. got so much time ahead of you. And arguably, yes, those women may have placed higher than you and may have been older than you, but they may not have started at quite a young age. So you, by the time you reach their age, may be 10 times better than them. Yeah, it, that, that's the thing. Like, you've just got to think as well. Everybody's at totally different stages of mm -hmm. their journey. Your chapter one may be somebody else's chapter 101. Mm. So it, it is just about being patient. And I think that's a lot of things that first timers don't have when they come into this industry is they just think that they're going to be up there. They're going to be placing first at the British finals and they're going to be winning their pro card in their first season when 99.9% it isn't the case. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so 
coming back to kind of the idea of the figure of eight and strong women, um, obviously being in the Bahamas, yes, you were there for a show. So there would have been a collective group of strong women wandering around the town. But I imagine you stood out a fair bit. How did that go down with the locals? If I'm being honest, I felt more comfortable walking around in my sports bra in the Bahamas as opposed to I would in the UK. In the UK, I would never walk around my town or in my shopping centre in a sports bra because people do stare. I think people in in the UK are far more judgmental than people abroad. It was the same when I was in America. I could have been walking down the street, but naked. And I don't even think any would have, anyone would have blinked an eyelid. Wow. Like, um, don't get me wrong. When I was over in the States and when I was wearing a sports bra, a few people did comment and they, they was staring and be like, oh my God, you look amazing. You look incredible. You look like Aww. Wonder Woman. Um, I, I know, in the, but the comments were always very, very nice. Um, in the Bahamas, the, the, it, it was like uh, I didn't look any different. Wow. And even, even being in the Bahamas where, where everyone was black, even then, they were still super friendly. Like, I was honestly really shocked when I was over there at how friendly, friendly everyone like was. you just like, felt like a local, just blended yeah, they, in. Yeah, they made me feel so lo- uh, so um, safe. They made me feel wow. comfortable and they really welcomed me as well. In the UK, I do tend to, to cover up or wear baggy t-shirts because even when you go to the likes of a pure gym where there's maybe not a lot of bodybuilders around, like you will get stared at. And mm. even going to the weight section in a pure gym, I'm not slagging anybody that goes to pure gym, by the way, I'm just saying <laughs> the stereotypical. You're like, disclaimer. <laughs> I know, just a, just a little heads up there. Um, but I think everybody will understand what I mean though. People do stare at you and yeah. people do feel uncomfortable. And um, I do tend to, to cover up when I am in the UK, which which is a shame. Um, I, I think it's honestly came from comments I've had from social media, etc. Like I've had people say that I look like a man. I've had people say that I look disgusting and um, that... Yeah, it, it's. I've had my fair amount of comments, and I think that's what's made me feel a little bit on edge to to go outside. But the more I've got into this sport, and the more I've grown as an individual as well, like the more I'm actually sticking up for myself and being like, if someone says a comment to me, I'll I'll um, say something back. Or if someone's staring in, in the staring at me in the gym or whatever, I'll just say something to them. I'll ask I was them. gonna say, what like yeah. what sort of thing do you say? How do you address that? I just I, I just say like excuse me. Like if somebody's staring at me for a long time, I'll just say excuse me because it's it's and then they'll just they'll just stop. Yeah. <laughs> but I've just came to a point now where I'm like, I'm not I'm not dealing with this anymore. I'm yeah. not like, I'm not hiding behind who I actually am because of other people. Like, why should you shy away from being stared at when they don't shy away from staring? Yeah, exactly. And that's why I always comment back in that situation. Whereas being in like a shopping centre where you're surrounded by people that don't understand bodybuilding or don't go to the gym, etc. 
I do just tend to to cover up because it's just so much easier because they are you are getting stared at left, right, and center, and mm. it just does make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. And I'm all about positivity and feeling good. And in that situation, it just makes you feel shit. Yes. So you really, avoid really that feeling. Yeah, I just avoid it as much as I possibly can. Well, one of the reasons I asked you to come on this podcast, other than the fact that you have a large female client base, and I'm sure you've kind of had experiences of them asking you questions about how to deal with certain situations, but also because our good friend Martina said that she was out with you not that long ago and it was boiling hot and you wouldn't take your jumper off because you were so self-conscious. Yeah, I know. It's mad, it, isn't it? It, it, it? It's crazy, I think. You, I think going through a prep, at the start of a prep, you're feeling uncomfortable. You're definitely, you're carrying a lot of excess body fat, but you're looking quote unquote normal. You're looking like a normal person. You won't get stared at um, if you wear a little crop top. Mm -hmm. Then you get to the middle of that prep and you're feeling good. You're feeling confident. You've got a little bit more definition and your abs are starting to come through. And that's the time that I absolutely love. That's the time that I'll run about in a sports (laughs) bra because you feel your best. But when you're in the back end of that prep Mm. and you're depleted, you're feeling tiny, like in the back end of a prep, I don't feel sexy. No. I, when you when your glutes and everything just look like a flat little pancake, and you just look like a tiny little well, as you we're we're both the same height, and our stage weights is roughly the same. We look like children. Yes. <laughs> when, start, when when your part, pants and everything start to sag and everything, you just don't feel comfortable. Yeah. And like you do, kind of get looks and get scared stares, and people will. Um, say that you look ill etc and that's the time that I just kind of want to hide away in case people judge but yeah when I was actually with Martina we was walking in her her house and I had taken taken my top off there soon as I got out the car some guy shouted at me and was like you look amazing do you do competitions and then that kind of gives you a boost because you're like oh maybe I actually do look good (laughs) do you think that I mean obviously you just spoke about the back end of the prep and you use things like an illness and I look like a child and saggy and flat pancake it's all very negative um connotations so do you think that potentially you're uh, you're projecting your inner feelings about yourself onto when you see someone stare you go well they must be yeah. thinking this about me when actually that guy proved the point that although he was staring if he hadn't have said, you look amazing, you might have thought, oh my God, he thinks I look disgusting. Yeah. I must say that when it comes to the way that I, to be honest, I'm pretty good at just kind of ignoring those feelings the majority of the time. However, the way that I actually think I, I, I'm not the most confident person, I wouldn't be one of those girls that would feel comfortable like going out in a tiny little mini skirt and a little crop top that shows half of the half of your tits. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable wearing an outfit like that because I do get paranoid in case people are commenting comment about me, staring at me, speaking about me. So I just tend to kind of cover up if I'm being honest. Mm. Yeah. But 
Yeah, I think it is actually from from me that why I think that people's being judgmental. Yeah. And I, I always find it really interesting because when I speak to people outside of the industry, whether they're strangers, colleagues, family, friends, they always assume that you're super confident. Yeah. But actually, what I tend to find with competitors is that's so far from the truth. And yes, we get on stage and we do our thing, but it's very much like a Beyonce, Sasha Fierce, you embody someone yes. else. <laughs> it is. I, I remember somebody said to me that before you go on stage, remember that the judges is looking at you from the second you step on there. Yeah. As soon as I step on stage, every single time I click my fingers and yep. I literally turn into a different person. Every yep. single time, click, and I go. And I'm, I'm like a totally different person up on that stage. But I think because of the, our sport, we, it's a very lonely sport that we do. We're very like introverted. We're, I'm not a social person. Although I'm social with people that are interested in the same things that I do. I love going to fitness events. I love being, um, going to new gyms or doing like podcasts and everything with, with people that are interested in the same stuff as me. But see, when, if it comes to going to a bar, I, I'm, I'm like a totally different person because I'm completely out of my comfort zone. Yeah. I uh, I think you're probably quite like me in the sense of if someone was to look around and go, where's Erin? You'd be in the corner quite quiet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 100%. But if it was like a fitness event or whatever, I'd be, I, I'd be in there. I'd be mingling. I'd be, I'd be speaking to everybody. But... Yeah, I think it, it's just certain scenarios. Um, and that's a, like, we live in such a little bubble, like in prep, I don't see anybody and I'm just living my own life. Like mm -hmm. I'm just kind of doing what I want to do. And when I'm outside of that bubble, I'm like, holy shit, this yeah. is not my comfort zone because it's not the normal. We are, yeah. we, although it is becoming not like far more popular now as opposed to what it was like a couple of years ago we're still outnumbered massively which, so yeah which is the the hard the, the, it's it, it is difficult yeah yeah I mean interestingly you say that um James Hollinshead was talking about this on his Instagram the other day a similar thing saying well how the, the Olympics is recognized but the Olympia isn't yeah. And how it's I, not seen as the same thing and it should be. Yeah, I completely agree. It is. A, I think over time it is going to get, it is going to be more recognised. Mm. But I think it is just still, yeah, it's, it's, it's frustrating. Yeah. We, I personally think that what we do is, I'm not saying that it's harder than the Olympics, but with the Olympics, they don't have to monitor every single meal and every single gram and the time that they eat and the time that they train, the time that they go to sleep. Like this takes up our whole life. Plus your job on top. Plus your job on top. So I personally, yeah, I'm, I may be a little bit biased, but. <laughs> I, I always have explained it to people as it's probably one of the hardest sports because it's one of the only ones where your performance and your appearance both matter. Yeah. Whereas lots of other sports, you don't have to look a certain way. Yeah, you've just got to perform a certain way, yeah. 
And it's like you either score that goal or you jump that height or you do it in a specific time and that's it. Whereas we don't have that measurement. It's like, okay, well, they liked me last month, but they don't like me this month. Yeah, or even from like a weekend basis. Yeah. They can like you one month, like that's a thing. You're being judged on who's that judge that day. Which Preference. Is, yeah, definitely. Yeah. On that kind of topic of preference and people looking at you and judging and I mean we've talked about strangers and how uncomfortable that makes you feel, but how how's that works with your family and friends because you started out some people may not know listening to this in bikini and you've kind of moved towards and grown into figure so obviously you've put on a lot of tissue over the years and your priorities have changed as you've turned into a pro and it's become probably a bigger part of your life so how's that worked with your family and friends so when it comes to my family, my mum was probably your worst nightmare is is a first time competitor. Like my, every single time I went round to my mum's house, she'd be like, Ugh. it was horrible. Like when I had my tan on show day, I came back and she was like, oh, look at you. I was like, she was like, you need to shower. That's too much. I was like, and she would just, it, it was it was horrible. Like she had... She, I, I kept my distance basically the whole wow. thing because every single time that, that she knew I was coming around, she would bake my favorite cakes. She would bake like supper, like dinners. And it, it was hard, like every single time. And like, I, it, it was a really, really hard. It was, it was really, really difficult wow. because she was putting everything in my face. It was, However, she was actively doing that on purpose. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. It was really difficult. She didn't, she didn't want me to do it. I, but it's because where I'm from, nobody had ever done this before. Nobody had ever competed. She had basically just seen photos online of like people back in the like 1980s with dream tan on and thought that, yeah, that's what I was going to be doing. Um, but my dad was very, very understanding. They still came to my first show. After my first show, she kind of came to the came to the idea of it a little bit, and then after the British finals, and she realised that how dedicated I was and how much mm. this actually means to me, she was so so supportive. Um, oh wow! I still don't like her to come to my shows because she was actually going. She was like, "Oh, I'll come to the Bahamas with you." I was like, "Not a chance." <laughs> I was like, you just let me do my meal prep and you just let me weigh out my food and just do everything on my own. Yeah. So I do keep my keep my distance, but she does ask about it now and she'll ask how I am and it is a lot, it's a lot better. But I actually, before I started competing, I used to go out drinking all the time and I used to hate it. Like my group of friends at the time was just people that I went out and drank with. And I realized that, that once I started competing, like competing really made me find who I was as a person, like really like find my personality and find like people that I like just it competing's made me find people that are going to be friends for life, no yeah. matter if I stop competing or not. Whereas the people that I was hanging about with before 
there was people that to this day, even from five years ago, they're still doing the exact same thing. There are people that are just living for the weekend, basically. Yeah. And I'm not about that life. Yeah. Um, I think that's something that is quite important if anyone is new and they're listening to this and they've had the same sort of thing as you had with your mum, that it's important for them to communicate that this isn't unhealthy. In fact, it's quite the opposite. And that what you were doing, you going out every Saturday and drinking and then you moved away from that circle and you got yourself good quality people and you were doing healthy things. I think that's a good way to explain it. Um, as opposed to them looking at scary pictures on the internet and going, oh, you're going to be like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like I was a little shit when I was younger. And I think that me doing this and becoming such a better person overall, my mom's kind of came around to the idea and being like, yeah, she's, she's meant to do this. Mm. Like This is where her passion lies. And yeah, it, it was really difficult when I first started with the comments and everything that people from my town would make. But to be honest, like everybody, everybody's so supportive now. It's like when people judge you for losing weight and then after a couple of months, they're like, well, how did you do that? I wouldn't. Yeah. It's kind of, it's not jealousy, but it's like people will always moan and then ask, ask why after. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, have you had that conversation with your mum about how she was in your first year? Oh, 100%. How did that go? 100%. I just, I just said that I actually had this conversation with her after the British finals. I was like, how are you being so supportive now and cheering me on and um, asking how I am and being there for me? Like, you're actually letting me like, take my prep food to your house and everything. Why was you not like that the first time? And she said it was just so unknown and it was quite scary for her as a parent because we are basically starving ourselves. It's con controlled starvation at the end of the day. And she said that it was really, really hard for her to see me hungry, for her to see for like me being tired and like I didn't have the energy to because I'm a very hyper person all of the time like I'll like walk into their house I'll be like hello and <laughs> it, was, it was it was difficult for her to see my personality change a little bit in the back end of that prep although I was still happy although I was still me I wasn't throwing my hands up in the air I was just walking in as normal and I think her seeing that that change was probably probably difficult as a parent yeah I, I can imagine actually um and something I asked a couple of people previously it was mostly on the the men's series uh, that this kind of came up because they were all quite they were older guys they had families and I said well what, how would you feel if your kids were in that same position and a lot of them were like well I'd support but yeah I wouldn't it'd be hard because yeah not only do we have to see them go through that if you put yourself in that shoes if, if you would have children you have to watch them go through that starvation but you actually know how that feels as well yeah and exactly. that's deep exactly. yeah like I think even thinking about me having kids it is it, it would be difficult however if they had a passion for something you'll obviously be 
support supportive of that but I just think my mum's very stubborn and I think it just took her a little bit of time to to get around to the idea she still doesn't like the tan um (laughs) but to be honest the tan is the extreme side of things that's for sure um but yeah like when I show her my bikinis and stuff now she she does say oh they look really nice that one's nice like she'll she'll help me like pick designs and everything whereas before she would have been like oh my god you're not wearing that Mm. I was gonna say how does your dad feel about the itty bitty bikinis my dad is my biggest supporter oh I love that he doesn't he doesn't mind like when he was when I was younger he he was one of those parents that would just tell me to go do loads of sports to do loads of things I used to be um a competitive dancer and swimmer so like I've always had that competitive background so the fact that I had found something that I was so passionate about he was like yeah just go with it um but yeah I think because with Instagram as well you post little like sports bra photos and everything and I was doing that before I had competed so I think he was kind of just like yeah they desensitize over time don't they definitely I got a shoot done with Mark Marsh after after my after the British finals and he posted the photos on his Instagram and it was it was photos of me (laughs) it was photos of me in my underwear and my butt completely out and he posted it on his on his Instagram being like so proud of my daughter (laughs) oh that is unreal it was like quite sexy photos and I'm like oh my god (laughs) just that's that's amazing isn't it because yeah. if you think there are some people and obviously you were in that position with your mom but there are some people that their parents never accept it and yeah. there your dad is like look at my sexy daughter and she's absolutely inside out peeled and I'm so proud of her that's oh, amazing. amazing he came with me to the British finals my mom stayed at home for that competition and after I had won he was walking down the street with the trophy above his head being like my daughter's a British champion she's a British champion it was it was incredible um he came to Italy with me again my mom didn't come to that one but he came to Italy with me where I won my pro card and yeah he he's just he's just amazing he's an absolute hero love that um and Am I right in saying that you've been in a long-term relationship? And I think you're engaged, aren't you? Yeah, we, we've been together for, for five years now. Now, James isn't a bodybuilder. He doesn't, he doesn't go to the gym. Well, he, he does go to the gym sometimes. He'll, he'll stick to a plan for maybe like <laughs> three weeks. <laughs> and then he'll be back to having like takeaways and everything every weekend. Um, But we're foodies. We love food. Like... He met me a year before I started competing and we would go to loads of restaurants and we would go out for brunch, we would go out for breakfast. And then when I started competing, that was obviously taken away. Mm. And it was difficult for us to begin with because both of us didn't have a clue what to expect during that first prep. And I think that prep made us so strong like I don't if we didn't I think prep either makes or breaks relationships yeah it either works and your partner's supportive or it doesn't yeah 
my partner's the most supportive person ever. He's so so supportive. Like he follows, he follows loads of people on Instagram. He'll message me, he'll like WhatsApp me during the day, and he'll be like, Did you see blah 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 story? And that's amazing. Like he's so into it. Like it's even though he's not in the sport himself, like he supports me through and through. And yeah, he just he loves the process and everything as well. Like to begin with, he he didn't like, uh, like he, he would eat like takeaways and everything in front of me. He would like, it, it was, it was hard, but now he kind of like, to be honest, he still eats takeaways and everything, but I'm, I'm just more, I think I've just kind of learned to, to blank it out. But yeah, the thing that we probably struggle with the most in prep is I don't feel comfortable in the back end of prep. So having sex yeah it tends to n- not happen basically because i don't like him touching my bum when yeah or i don't like him touching my back or i just yeah I think I a lot of people blame it on hormones but i actually don't think it's a huge amount of hormones i think because it's for me it's not just sexual touch but it's anyone hugging me yeah. i'm like in my head oh my god they must be thinking i'm disgusting Yes, yeah. I'm just bones right now. Are they what are they doing? Like where where is the hand? And you yeah. try and soften your body, don't you? So that when they hug you, it's not hard. Yeah. 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 Um, but me and my me and my partner have had a lot of conversations about it anyway. And he is really understanding, but he does prefer me when I've got more meat on my bones. Mm. It doesn't feel good when you touch a bum and it's just skin there mm. because it's not filled out like um yeah it's it's something that he's obviously very understanding of but it it, it is hard like I think that's probably the hardest thing when you're in the back end of prep is you don't want anybody near you and for some people that that could break a relationship I spoke to Sarah Bradley the other week and she said a similar thing she was like I don't she's like I wear pajamas at the back end of my prep because I don't want her my her girlfriend to see and I was like I totally get that because you don't want to look at yourself so you're thinking well surely they're not going to want to look at me either I know it's 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 horrible the way that you the, the way that you do look at yourself in the back end of prep and mentally it can be it can be really really challenging and that's why I do just like to cover up because the less you see the less you think about and you say you've had lots of conversations with James about that um what would your advice be to people that find themselves in that situation? It's definitely just to communicate, just to communicate like with your partner about it and actually see how they feel. And so they get an understanding as to how you feel as well. Because when I'm in the back end of prep, James always tells me that I'm beautiful. He tells me I look nice. He makes me feel confident when I'm not feeling confident in myself mm-hmm. however <laughs> when I transition back into that off season and when I've got my curves and everything he back he's like oh you look amazing you look so glued I'm so glad you've got your glutes back and everything I'm so glad that your face is filled out a little bit because see when you it's it's not until you actually compare the photos and be like wow yeah I can't believe I look like that but again your partner seeing you every single day they're with you for for that full 
whole transition. They're they're seeing you get smaller and smaller and smaller, and they're kind of getting used to it as well. Like when I look photo, back at photos of me in my improvement season, I'm like, did I actually look like that? And he'll be like, did you actually look like that? And he'll be like, you look totally different now. But then both phases, he's like, you look good now. But then when I'm in my improvement season, when we look back at what I look like now, he'll be like, nah, you look better now. It, it, I think it, it, it's weird. Do you think that some of that comes from the life that you have within yourself? Like you are more energetic and outgoing and he loves that about you. So therefore he finds you attractive at that point. And so he comes maybe forgets the the dead kind of hi it's a bit difficult because he's so overwhelmed with having his errand back yeah probably we do like a lot of things like we'll always go like hikes and everything and when I'm in the back end of prep I can't can't do that Mm. because it hurts my knees too much or I've got to fit in my cardio or fit in my training like we've actually got a life back together when I'm when I'm heavier and when I'm in my improvement season. So I think that's why he's probably like, nah, I much prefer you there. And because I've got an ass. Yeah. I have to wear children's pants. (laughs) Definitely. I think that's the biggest thing as well. (laughs) I mean, a good thing that he's not attracted to you that much when you're child sized. (laughs) Definitely. Exactly. Definitely. Um, okay, that's. I think that's good advice for people as well. And I do think that's something that a lot of people, whether they are in long-term relationships, they're dating, or maybe that they're, they're just got a new partner, and they're like, oh, I need to explain this to them without sounding negative or trying to put someone off. Um, and I always say to people, well, look, you're going to get like three girlfriends out of me. You can get the off-season chunky one, the beach body in between. (laughs) Yep. And then I'm going to look a bit ill for a bit, but it's okay because then the glow up comes and it's just like, who's that? I know. I know. The glow up's the best part, isn't it? But even then I've got no, I've not got the patience to sit and get my nails done. Like it was honestly the worst two hours of my life. I don't know how people manage to do that every two weeks or however long that they get them done getting my eyelashes done like I used to get my eyelashes done all the time and then because of covid I, I stopped but getting my eyelashes done I got a little nap and that was good I was like I could get these done every week <laughs> <laughs> no I know what you mean I used to do all that and now I look back and I'm like it was every two weeks and it would take me an hour and a half to two hours and I was like that's loads of my life I'm never getting back again <laughs> I know I know I've not got the time for that so I've just got little stumps instead yeah, I'll take the the little boy hands instead yeah. that's fine um no that's been a really really interesting conversation um I guess the one thing that I would like to kind of get from you is just a little bit of advice for new competitors with dealing with those changes and I know that you work with a lot of lifestyle clients and I guess more potentially more so than bodybuilding that's a big change in their life and how they go from eating what they want when they want to then adding the gym in and monitoring their food and what advice would you give to them about dealing with those changes and and how to kind of communicate with your family and friends about it 
are, are we talking about like first timers here that are transitioning in a like bodybuilding into like a contest prep? I guess it's the first time is in the sense of anyone that's just starting to change it, whether they end up going into bodybuilding or whether they're just trying to change their lifestyle a little bit. Because I think we all start, whether you're going to compete or not, we all have to go through that phase of change. I think it's just going to be about being patient and not being frustrated when people don't understand what what you are a way to do or don't understand that the changes that you're going to be going to make, because there's always going to be somebody that doesn't agree with what you do, no matter what it is. Yeah. Um, therefore you've, if you want it and if you want to go through the process, you're just going to have to be patient with the people around you and just, listen to their opinions as well because their opinions obviously do matter because at the end of the day the people that you're surrounded by and the people that who are probably being the most judgmental are the probably the people that care about you the most mm. therefore you've got to you've got to be understanding of their their reason reasonings to why they maybe don't agree with what you're doing but actually educating them as well and actually showing them why you're doing this and realizing that it's more of a lifestyle as opposed to as opposed to just like a change that is going to be temporary that it's going to be something that you're going to be consistently doing for a long period of time because even though bodybuilding is unhealthy in the back end of prep it's only unhealthy for that what like 12 12 week period really Mm. the rest of the time we're, we're we're healthy we're going to the gym we're training we're eating whole nutritious foods it's not like we're going out and going on like a five-day bender mm. every single month and I think it's just kind of explaining to to people round about you that it's it's only going to be for a short period of time that it's going to be detrimental to my health but to be honest if you're taking any sport to the extremity like even like marathon runners Doing a marathon is not healthy. Mm. Doing a boxing match is not healthy. Mm. It's just because bodybuilding isn't as popular as what running a marathon would be. Personally, I think running a marathon would probably be actually more detrimental to your health than than what bodybuilding is, really. I mean, if you look at the statistic as how many people die running a marathon versus how many people die doing a bodybuilding prep. Exactly. Exactly. So I think it's just about being understanding and just be impatient with the people that are around you as well. I think that's really good advice. Patience is a hard one. It's something I've learned over several preps. And I always try and count to 10. And I ask myself, is it actually going to make a difference if I say this? Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. I tend to just, I, I tend to just ignore it now. Yeah. Like comments that I get now, I'm just like, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> It's fine. They're not going to change their mind no matter what I say right now. So we'll just smile and nod. And mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really bad for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you so, so much for having me on. No, that's not a problem. I have two questions, which I ask everyone that come on the podcast. Um, and the first one is over the entire span of your life, whether that was dancing and swimming when you were younger, school, family, friends, drinking, even now into your bodybuilding career, is there anything that you look back on and think I probably would have done that differently? My whole school year, I was a totally different person as to, to what I am now. 
I, I literally would go out on a Friday and not come home until a Monday. I was one of those, those people. I was somebody that went to like festivals and I, uh, yeah, I was just in a, I had a really bad breakup um, and got cheated on and got lied to and my best, like it was just, it was just a shambles and it totally took my self-confidence down and I was in a very bad place for a long time and I used alcohol as basically my feel good with people that didn't care about me as a person therefore my school and everything slacked I um haven't got many grades like the majority of my studying was done when I actually started bodybuilding um and yeah it's probably my school and um like my study when I was at school would probably the big be the biggest thing that I would change now but even then I don't think I would be the person that I am today if that changed um because I actually went away to work in a summer camp to basically find myself I needed out of this country I needed out of my town and I needed just to be on my own so I went over to America and worked in a summer camp and that's when I, I had a true passion that I just loved helping people and that I actually did enjoy education that I actually did enjoy um educating like educating people as well and yeah, I think that's where I really found myself. So, yes, I would maybe change school, but no in a way as well. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? Most people that answer that question start off either by saying flat out, nope, because it made me who I am. Or they start saying something like you just did. And by the end of it, they go, yeah. but then I wouldn't be who I am. Yeah, like, exactly. I know. I know. It's good, though. I think it's nice for someone to have that realisation as they're kind of talking it through. <laughs> And uh, the last question is you are Erin, IFBB pro, fiance, daughter, online coach, but what do you want to be remembered for? Oh, it's such a hard question. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I I want to be remembered for being authentic, for being transparent, being transparent, for being myself hopefully I'm funny you Uh, are hilarious (laughs) yeah for just being me just for no bullshit basically I I like what you see is what you get yeah unless I'm in a sports bra in a shopping center (laughs) (laughs) any other time yeah any other time (laughs) if you're falling off chairs during check-ins yeah oh my god I was just glad my nose didn't break I couldn't, but I was like swinging back and forth on my chair and my note, my face just, oh, it was, it was horrendous. If I, <laughs> I don't even know how many times I watched that. <laughs> I laughed my like, ass off every time. It's the noise that I make falling down to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're definitely funny and you're definitely authentic. Um, I'll give you that for sure. <laughs> So if anyone wants to find you and they've been living under a rock and they don't know where they can, what, where can they find you? Instagram? Um, Instagram, pro. <laughs> and your YouTube series, which was I really enjoyed and, and kept me going during my cardio. I need to get better at YouTube. I literally film videos and then I'm like, shit, I, I need to actually post this now. 
<laughs> well, please do because they do keep me company on the Stairmaster. I enjoy yeah, I've, watching them. I've got another one recorded, so I'm going. That's going to be hopefully um, edited this weekend. But yeah, I need to. I need to be consistent with that. I'm consistent with every other part of my life apart from YouTube. Yeah. But then, obviously, YouTube is like a hobby, isn't it? <laughs> yes, absolutely. And you've got a lot on your plate, so I think we can forgive you for a, a late yeah. YouTube episode. I know. Um, but yeah, it's just Erin Thompson, I think. I, do you even have a username on YouTube? Who knows? You do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe just add that in your, your bio on Instagram so people can find it. Yeah, just type in Erin Thompson. <laughs> I'm sure I'll help you out. <laughs> all right well I've loved chatting with you thank you so much for making the time to speak to me and uh hopefully we we'll speak again soon no thank you so so much it's been a pleasure thanks very much